When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, yeah, a very good afternoon, everyone. It's Drive on this Tuesday and variety is a spice of life. And what I tend to do on a Tuesday and a Wednesday is no doubt focus on some other major sport that's happening. As we know, on Mondays and Thursdays, it's very much uh, AFL Central. On Mondays, we review the AFL weekend. Of course, on Thursday, with the exception of this week, we'll be looking at AFL team selections. As we know, there's no games being played this weekend, but there's plenty of issues uh, bubbling around as well. So later on the program, in fact, not too far away, I'm going to sport, speak to Brett Phillips, our tennis correspondent, because on Monday week, the final Grand Slam of the year gets underway, the 2022 US Open. Now, there's no Novak Djokovic because of the COVID mandate at Flushing Meadow in New York. All of a sudden, Alexander Zverev uh, is out because he hasn't recovered from that ankle injury. So it opens it up doesn't it, for players like Nick Kyrgios. And there's been plenty happening as well. There's 10 Australians that will contest the US Open 2022 men's singles competition, led by Alex Dimonor and Wimbledon finest Nick Kyrgios. And there's a heap of others. As well as that, there is a further three Aussies that also will contest in the qualifying tournament. Speaking of the qualifying tournament, there's nine Australian players that will contest the US Open Open 2022 qualifying singles competition when it comes to the women's side of the draw, including a couple of West Australians. So Brett Phillips is going to bring us up to date with that. This morning at three o'clock, Manchester United and Liverpool, two of the biggest sporting brands on the planet, did battle at Old Trafford in Manchester. There's been a lot of conjecture about the future of Cristiano Ronaldo. He played for Manchester United. Liverpool that had drawn their first two games of the season against mediocre opposition, Fulham, who were newly promoted, and Crystal Palace, both London clubs, and Manchester United had lost their opening two games at home to Brighton and were belted 4-0 by Brentford, who were playing in their second season in their first ever appearance in the English Premier League competition, normally a club in the second or third tier of the English League. So there was a lot of questions regarding these two clubs as they came face-to-face at Old Trafford. Daniel Garb is our English Premier League expert, and I'll have a chat to him a bit later on in the program as well. As well as that, we'll keep you up to date with what's happening in AFL action. And, of course, Adam Kingsley, who was announced yesterday as the coach of the Greater Western Sydney Giants, spoke for the first time today. And there's a couple of snippets of what he had to say. Firstly, no doubt very excited about his first AFL league coach appointment. So it doesn't seem to be working on my system here. Adam Kingsley, no doubt super excited about his AFL appointment. 
No, we haven't got that. What we might do is just clear a break straight away and we'll get all that rectified. And also we'll come back with Brett Phillips as well. So don't go away. Stay with us. Of course, you can join us anytime on the Temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. And you can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Or give us a call if you like on the Scarborough Toyota open line. The number to call is 13 12 55. They sell your car and also service all makes and models as well there at Scarborough Toyota in Scarborough Beach Road in Aussie Park. We'll take a break and come back with more in a moment here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Yes, my gun paddle operator is here and uh, Lee's about to uh, fire everything up. We're talking about Adam Kingsley. Of course, uh, being given the nod after 16 years as an apprentice at uh, a number of AFL clubs, Richmond, uh, St Kilda, we know as a star player at Port Adelaide in the late 90s, early uh, 2000s. But he's now got the opportunity of coaching in his own right. And as I mentioned, he's super excited about taking on the job at the Giants. Super excited about uh, being appointed the head coach of the Giants and um, really excited about what this list is capable of. Uh, can't wait to get stuck in. Um, having said that, though, I have got a job to do at Richmond and I'll be finishing this season with those guys. Uh, but the moment that season is finished, we'll, um, we'll be looking to get stuck in. Yeah, good on him. Uh, a long apprenticeship, 16 years, and he was also asked at the press conference about the GWS Giants list. There's a, there's a lot of excitement around the, the playing list itself. I think the, the, the demographic of the group is really quite exciting. There's a lot of young players coming through that, that have great potential and they're surrounded by some really high-quality, experienced guys. So, um, you know, there'll be, a, there'll be a, you know, a few changes, obviously, as new coaches do, and hopefully we can, um, we can respond and get back to where we've been for a long period of time. But, you know, last year was, was um, you know, quite, not quite where we want to be. Yeah, not quite where you wanted to be in relation to the GWS Giants. They were very disappointing this season. There's no question about that. Leon Cameron, the first coach, and, of course, Mark McVeigh taking over as the interim coach until the end of the season. But Adam Kingsley, as I mentioned, 16 years as an apprentice, uh, felt that he'd been ready for a number of seasons in recent times to land a top job. Um, oh, to be fair, I felt ready for for quite a while now. Um, it's just a matter of being able to get the opportunity, which I'm so grateful for the Giants that they've they've allowed me to that that opportunity to show that um, you know I can coach and, and and trying to lead this club and and this playing group to to where we we want to go. And um, you know I think the the potential that we have here is is, is really enormous. And I, I, as I said, I can't wait to get stuck in. And finally, on Adam Kingsley, interesting last night on the couch at Fox, uh, Nick Revolt, the St Kilda, former St Kilda captain, of course, knew Adam Kingsley. He was an assistant at the Saints when he was leading the St Kilda Football Club. And this is what Nick Revolt had to say about Kingsley's appointment. So when I heard the news, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I'm genuinely so happy for Adam. He, he has done the most remarkable apprenticeship. He taught me more about forward play and forward craft than any other coach I'd had at any stage, which for a guy that played back really? pocket and, and midfield predominantly, mm. great communicator, great motivator, will be able to challenge strongly and, and understand what it takes to bring a great team together. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Hard enough? Oh, yeah, he is. So it'll be interesting to see how he does go. And just before we speak to Brett Phillips about tennis, David Warner's stunning return to the BBL with the Sydney Thunder is even more remarkable, given his wife, Candice, 
recent comments that he'd never play in the domestic T20 league ever again. Warner announced on Sunday that his nine-year exile from the BBL is over after he signed a two-year deal, wonder what it's worth, with the Thunder that will allow him to play for them when not representing Australia. This is what Dave Warner had to say about that. Was it always going to be the Thunder? Did you think if you were going to, to get back to the Big Bash? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a toss-up between you know the girls and myself. Um, they like magenta, but uh, at the end of the day, I played first with the Thunder, and you know it's a it's a great fit for for myself and and the guys that are in that team. So there you go, Dave Warner on his return to the BBL. So we'll see uh, how he does go because he was on his way out, wasn't he, a couple of weeks ago? And Candice, his wife, was suggesting he wouldn't play in the BBL. He was off to the lucrative uh, United Arab Emirates uh, T20 tournament. But I, I got a feeling Cricket Australia has got involved and given him a nice little uh, contract over the next couple of years. All right, speaking of big money, there is big money on offer. Uh, starting next Monday. It is the final Grand Slam of 2022 and really can toss a coin on who could possibly take off the men's and women's singles crown. I know he's out at a dinner appointment, so we appreciate him very much for stepping out for a couple of moments. We won't keep him long. Is Brett Phillips, our SEN tennis expert and the host of the first serve. Uh, Brett, thanks for your time. Hey, Pete. Nice to chat. Have you had your main course? Uh, indeed, yeah. Oh, that's good. Off. A bit of dessert even as well, Pete, so okay. I'm all yours. Okay, as long as you don't belch over the uh, phone, we'll be okay, mate. All right. <laughs> Let's have a look at uh, the the current situation in tennis. Uh, a lot of Australians yep. are, are putting their hand up. I just mentioned in previewing that we're going to have a chat to you. Uh, there are 10 Australians that will contest the US Open men's singles, of course, led by Demonor and Nick Kyrgios. And there's uh, certainly nine Australian women and I think about three Australian men that will go through the yep. quali. So there could be a really nice splattering of uh, Australians uh, at Flushing Meadow in New York this time around. Yeah, we hope so. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, qualies gets underway in a few hours. Uh, uh, overnight, uh, our time, we'll have a number of uh, Australians out in action in the nice humidity of uh, New York. But, yeah, look, I think certainly... Uh, this time around from the men, it's great to see more in the main draw than we've ever had before. Now, as we know, the cutoff for the main draw was six weeks ago. And that's what allowed Kubler and O'Connell uh, to join the other Aussies inside the top 100. They're both uh, technically this week, their ranking is outside the top 100. Uh, but because the cutoff is six weeks ago, they don't have to go through uh, qualifying. So, uh, that's good news uh, for them, and they're playing in Winston-Salem, the 250 uh, this week as a final tune-up. So, yeah, we'll have the three Aussies in, in qualies. Uh, great to see Mark Polman's back. I mean, he's been missing since, uh, gee, March, April this year. I saw him down at Melbourne Park a few weeks ago rehabbing, and he's using his uh, protected ranking to get into qualifying. Uh, Alexander Vukic has been out with an elbow, so first time we've seen him for a while. He's the next Aussie trying to uh, crack the top 100, about at 131 in the ranks at the moment. And, uh, and Max Purcell has squeezed in, and you know I hope there's more upside for Max, certainly from a singles point of view. And we're sort of the normal names from an Australian female point of view in quality. So we've seen it, you know, quite a bit. Those that group of girls who haven't quite been able to crack the top 100, who once again have got to go through the uh, the hard road of qualifying. And we can only hope that yeah, a few uh, put their hand up this week. Interesting, you're looking at the US Open uh, men's singles draw. At the moment, the big favourite would be Novak Djokovic, but his participation is in strong doubt because 
He is uh, unvaccinated against coronavirus. So he could be barred from playing. And then, of course, already Alexander Zverev, due to his ankle injury, has confirmed he won't play. All of a sudden, it does open Mm. it up for someone like Nick Kyrgios, doesn't it? Look, it does. Uh, it, it really has become uh, almost the, um, the the female conversation. I mean, every, every time we get to a major, we talk about how open the female uh, side of things is. But the men, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, watching Borna Chorich uh, yesterday win in Cincinnati, beating uh, Pass. I mean, he's a guy that's been world number 12 and had you know, 12 months off the tour dealing with injury. I mean, uh, sometimes you can just be in red-hot form when it really counts, and uh, he, he'll bring that great confidence of winning a, a Masters 1000. I mean, since he passed, hasn't quite been able to crack it on the hard court, so he's still got that challenge. And, you know, Carlos Alcaraz has just come back to the pack of in terms of results the last few weeks. I mean, he obviously set such a high bar in the first part of the year, so... There's, 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 there's openings. Absolutely, there's openings. And, uh, you know, Kyrgios will um, we'll have to wait and see. Interestingly, Peter, I had a, a conversation with a couple of people uh, today about the Davis Cup. And we know that, you know, Nick hasn't been uh, named in the team. Well, he made himself unavailable because he does want to get home after the US Open to see his mum in particular, who's been a bit crook, and uh, he's not going to play in the Labor Cup. But a little birdie might have suggested to me today that if, if Nick, and we hope it's not the case, but if he did bomb out early at the US Open um, and get home, that may still open the door for him to be added to our Davis Cup team late if there was a, uh, a nice period of time. And, and whether you can uh, make that late change, I was trying to verify that with the ITF uh, today. So... We'll watch that space with a bit of interest, but I mean, really, we want to yeah see Nick go as as deep as he can at the U.S. Open. It's interesting. Uh, he said, "I've got two more tournaments to play: Cincinnati, and of course, in the U.S. <laughs> Open." His mother is not in the best of health, so no doubt mentally, he's checked out a bit thinking about his family. How do you think this will impact him at the U.S. Open? And would it have been better yeah. for him to go home and have a bit of peace of mind? Mm. Uh, but saying that, no doubt he feels by staying on he can give this a, a decent uh, lick, if we can term it that way. Yeah, and I, I think he wanted, uh, you know, being in the form that he has through this US hardcore swing, he wanted to try and uh, maximise it. Uh, I mean, he went out second round to Fritz uh, last week, but, you know, you're not going to be able to just have it on your terms, winning every week. The, the tour um, just doesn't uh, allow that. But if he can get a good draw early, and that'll come out uh, later in the week, um, who knows? I mean, we, we try and obviously forecast ahead with Nick, and that's a hard thing to do. But there's been some more solid results in the last, you know, six months that suggest that there has been a little change in him. But whether how sustainable that is, we'll have to wait and see. But he does normally get to this time of the year, and he only wants to, as we've stated before, Pete, he only wants to be on tour for a certain amount of months. Then he gets restless and wants to get home and just be home in the, his normal surrounds. So he's getting to that point of the year. I mean, the US opens an interesting one full stop. I mean, you know, by the time you get to the fourth major, uh, you're carrying a bit more fatigue. You're carrying niggles. Uh, you've got to deal with uh, the oppressive um, heat in New York. you got to try and you know, win a major that saluted plenty, who just also struggled to cope with the whole environment of the US Open, which is boisterous and loud and in your face. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we saw it with Raducanu out of nowhere last year on the women's side. It, it is the... You know, we talk about the French sometimes throwing up different winners, but the US Open as well um, is one of the, the harder ones to win. 
Let's have a look at the women's draw. We saw Serena Williams. I don't think I've ever seen her actually lose a set to love, but that happened against Emma Raducanu, who, of course, took off the US Open in what was one of the biggest surprises in the history of the tournament. Now, Serena will play her final tournament at the US Open. The way she's playing at the moment, I'm not sure her tenure is going to be too long. Uh, what, how do you forecast what's going to happen with Serena? And I was a trifle disappointed, actually, that she didn't actually yep. spend a minute or two to acknowledge the people in Cincinnati that had been there cheering for her and no doubt came specially to see her play that match. Yeah, I mean, look, she doesn't necessarily... I mean, she hates this word retirement, goodbye. She doesn't know how to say goodbye. Um, you know, she... Uh, I mean, there's always been this mystique around the Williams. They're, they're, you know, they're... they're Interesting to observe across, you know, their their longevity uh, in the sport from teenage girls to you know mature women and you know one being a mum. Uh, but yeah, I don't think she necessarily feels comfortable, um, you know, doing the whole final goodbye. And look, probably there was more disappointment because if you're going to go out, I mean, you want to go out on a respectable note. To lose a set like that, as you say, we you know we can't think of the last time Serena lost a set six love. I suppose that sort of overwhelmed her to, um, you know, depart the court and, and get out of there. What will be interesting in New York now, I'm told uh, that they've sold out Arthur Ashe for night one and two. So she'll play at night, depending on mm. the call later this week. Um, you, know, you might have the, the prize ticket if you bought tickets to see her for the last time. And, yeah, you know, I think, look, the way she's playing, depending who she gets, look, her tennis at the moment is just not really stacking up. And all we can hope for is that she might be inspired just to fight one last time to produce that you know, that um, that incredible spirit that she's played with. Uh, but, yeah, at, at the moment, none of the girls are really that intimidated. Uh, they know the game plan to dismantle her. And, you know, I don't think we'll get a Jimmy Connors run, uh, Peter. <laughs> uh, not, not 1991, and, uh, which will be in our memories forever. When you look at the entries and also the seeds in the women's draws, Vitek, of course, one, and Contivate, two, Sakari, three, Bedosa, four, Jabir, five, mm. and Sabalenka, six. That is an open field if I've ever seen one. Oh, well, I still can't get over the fact that Annette Contivate is the world number two. Um, so just the yeah. rankings in tennis work in peculiar ways. But, yeah, we were talking about Iga Sviantek on the first serve last night. I mean, since she's won Roland Garros... What, third round Wimbledon? Uh, she made a quarterfinal on home soil in Poland and it was, what is, I think, gone round of 16, um, Toronto and also Cincinnati. So she was always going to come back to the pack at some point after such a dominant first part of the year. So no guarantee she's just going to get onto the hard courts of Flushing Meadows and dominate. And who knows? There'll be someone that'll, you know, maybe step up. Not quite a, a Raducanu fairy tale story, but there might be someone in that top 100 that we just can't forecast mm. uh, right now. We could just have a great run. So once again, as we say, just throw a blanket over all the women. And you know, maybe you know, looking at Carol- Caroline Garcia over the weekend, uh, beating Kvitova to win Cincinnati. I mean, she's been former world number four. Uh, the French have always been technically very equipped. She's had a couple of hips uh, years with the serve. Uh, but she brings some great form and momentum. So... Who knows? Maybe it's one of the the older uh, players that we've not totally written off that might just have one last chapter. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a fascinating US Open. It is a fascinating US Open. Really looking forward to it. Okay, as we let you go, Brett, and we'll let you get back to your your company, I appreciate you stepping out for a few moments. How does the qualities work and who progresses through to the main draw? Yep, so you've basically got 
uh, in qualities. You've got 128 uh, men, 128 women. So it's the equivalent of the main draw in terms of numbers. Uh, and then obviously um, there, there's 16, 16 each, 16 go through on the men's and the women's. Uh, so three rounds of qualifying, um, which uh, the players will pretty much play back-to-back days and it's uh, best of three. Okay. So, yeah, we've got a few getting, I think, Vukic is out about 1am tomorrow morning Eastern and then, yeah, there'll be a few sprinkled uh, throughout the day. And, uh, yeah, this is where you want to put your best foot forward to qualify for a main draw. So there's uh, plenty plenty to play for. Yeah, and good luck to a couple of the West Aussies in Madison Inglis and Astra Sharma who are going through the qualities yep. to play in the main draw. Good on you, Brett. Thanks for joining us, mate. And we'll keep in touch. Um, you're catching up on your sleep because you'll need it uh, come Monday next week. Uh, you're going to be long days, long nights, uh, combining the, uh, the TV and the radio stuff. But you'll have a, we'll have a good kip across the weekend, Pete, with no finals footy and be... Uh, fresh and ready to go. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Peter. Good on you. Brett Phillips, uh, the host of The First Serve and also SEN's tennis expert. Love talking to Brett about tennis. Uh, he just nails it. He really does. He, he knows exactly how things uh, progress. Just repeating, uh, the 10 Australians, uh, men that are through, are already playing Demonor, Kyrgios, Kokonakis, Popperin, Duckworth, Millman, Thompson, Kubler, O'Connell, and the wild card, Hijikata. So uh, a good representation in the main draw when it comes to Australians, and we wish them the best of luck. And also good luck to our two West Aussies going through qualies there. Uh, Madison Inglis, the world number 135, and Astra Sharma. It's coming up 24 past five, dry with Peter Vlahos. You can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line. That number to call, uh, Ben Dalgleish, the dealer principal there at Scarborough Toyota, says, Peter, tell your listeners that we service and buy all makes and models. They just don't need to be Toyota. They do service all makes and models. So, courtesy of the DP, Ben Dalgleish, I'm telling our SEN Drive listeners, uh, if you're looking for a service and you're in the locality, Scarborough Toyota, they're just under the... uh, Glendalow train station overpass there in Scarborough Beach Road. Back with more in a moment here on Drive. It's 25 past five. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, on the temperate bedshed, text line 0487 736 736. Hi, Peter. David Warner is going to be available for five regular matches for the Thunder deal worth approximately $340,000, a portion of which will come from Thunder's $1.9 million salary cap and the rest from a marketing deal with Cricket Australia. Good coin for only five games of the season. Lease, you've nailed it. Very, very good indeed. Norman Cowell, I hope uh, you're picking up uh, loud and clear on the app up there at uh, on SENWA through SEN 1611 in Kalgoorlie, where the reception is a bit intermittent on the band, but of course you can get us on the SENWA app. Let's update sport for you. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Uh, We're going to talk more about this with Daniel Garby in the moment, but last night it was Manchester United 2, Liverpool 1 in a blockbuster contest at Old Trafford with the two heavyweights who had started their season so poorly. But it was United who went ahead through Sancho after only 16 minutes. Another chance. Jaden Sancho. Patient. Accurate. Quarter of an hour in. Manchester United. 
celebrate one of their players scoring for the very first time this season. Jaden Sancho bided his time. Composure, clinical. Yes, and he played here, of course, a few weeks ago when Manchester United were here against Aston Villa, uh, and he scored a goal as well out of the two that were scored by United here at Optus Stadium. The other goal was scored by another player that was here also on the night in Marcus Rashford. It was 1-0 at half time, and of course, about seven minutes into the second half, Man United went 2-0 up. Martial looks for Rashford, one-on-one with Alisson. There's no flag. Marcus Rashford, his last Premier League goal was against Liverpool here in May. He's done it again, and he has doubled Manchester United's lead. And Liverpool struggled to get back into the contest, but Mo Salah scored a consolation goal nine minutes before time to make it two goals to one. Eric Ten Hag has been the Manchester United manager under severe pressure with their poor start to this campaign. This is what he said post-game. Uh, we can talk about uh, tactical, but uh, it's all about attitude. And now you see, we bring the attitude on the pitch. There was communication, there was a fighting spirit, and especially there was team. And then you can see what they can achieve because they can play football. You had nine de- Did Sorry, uh, apologise for a language if there was a little uh, F-bomb dropped in sorry. there. Do apologise for that. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. I, was, I wasn't sure if it was lost in translation, Eric. I do apologise. Oh, I love it. Uh, Eric Ten Hag, just emotional uh, and even dropped the, the F-bomb and we beeped it out. There you go. Uh, just some other sporting news. A magistrate has knocked back Australian tennis star Nick Kyrgios's bid for a three-month adjournment in his assault case. The case went to the ACT Magistrates Court this morning. The 27-year-old was not in court, of course, for the mention uh, as he remains in America uh, heading into the US Open that we discussed. But he was represented by his Canberra solicitor who asked the matter be listed for November 25 when he would make an application. But uh, he was only granted a six-week adjournment until October the 4th when his lawyer will make representations supporting his application. Uh, as I mentioned in other sport, Isaac Rankin uh, in AFL circles has played his final game for the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, the Suns confirmed that the richly talented Ford, who is out of contract, requested a trade in the exit meeting today, paving the way for him to join Adelaide in October. And as soon as the air raid sirens had stopped, Shakhtar Donetsk's players ran out onto the pitch for their final training session overnight before Ukraine begins an extraordinary new season of its National Soccer League. Now, matches will be played without fans due to the risk of bombs and missiles and two f- top-flight clubs, Desna and FC Mariupol, are being replaced in the 16-team league after their stadiums were destroyed. And Shakhtar Donetsk is one of the favourites for this year's title who will also compete in Europe's Champions League. And they are no strangers to war. They relocated from their home city of Donetsk in 2014 when the city was captured by Russia-backed separatists. And we think we have problems organising maybe our domestic competitions. How's that? The National League in Ukraine will resume. Two sides cannot take part because of their stadiums were destroyed by bombings. And... The other matches will be played in empty stadiums 
of fear of maybe a missile or bombs uh, hitting those stadiums. Yet they still want to play. That's what it means to them. Incredible story. 25 to 6. Uh, and finally, on SEN this morning, on Jared Waitley, Alistair Clarkson spoke uh, to our morning host in Melbourne. And Alistair Clarkson was pretty happy about his appointment as a North Melbourne coach. And he says, good things can happen for those people that wait. Sonia got caught out a couple of times by saying, you know, in terms of it's a, it's a great list. We've got we've got some players on our list and we've got some staff and that sort of stuff that are highly, highly talented people and really, really good in their roles. But the, the, the challenge is actually bringing all these talented people together, cohesively galvanise them and all go in the same direction, uh, make some significant sacrifices um, and be prepared to make those sacrifices for the betterment of their of their fellow man within the club. And um, if we can if we can get that, then um, good things can happen really really quickly. So there you go. And also, he was asked this morning about the appointment of Adam Kingsley because, as we know, last week he pulled out. That is Alistair Clarkson from the GWS Giants job. And this is what he said: What lies ahead for Kingsley? Part of the GWS process, you know, it's a it's a different different sort of challenge in terms of the. Um, the the fact that it's a, a Sydney-based club and um, he'll need to do a lot of work, but I mean he's got some he's got some talent to work with, and uh, it looks like they'll be able to go to you know trade into the draft really well um, if uh, if they've got some players that return to turn to Melbourne to play. So um, there's some exciting times ahead for him. Mm. And if we could just go to the bottom there, Lee. Of course, Carl Amon has uh, told Port Adelaide that he wants to move on. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of the year, and this is the reason for his decision on leaving Port Adelaide. Yeah, I think it's, it's been handled pretty well by both parties, I think, and um, yeah, what the club's done, and um, I think the Delta has gone about it in a pretty good way, so um, yeah, couldn't be happier. Mm. So there you go. That's Carl Amon. And David Koch, also uh, the president of the Port Adelaide Footy Club, was asked about Ken Hinckley. And now that Essendon are scouting around for an experienced coach, he was thrown this question, and this is what Koshy had to say. Tell them they're dreaming. Um, <laughs> and, and why would Ken go, go to a club like that? Well, they might offer him a four- or five-year contract. They'll, they'll sort themselves out. Yeah, no, nah, tell them they're dreaming. Ah, oh, yes, that great line from one of the great Australian films, The Castle. Tell them they're dreaming. All right, uh, coming up after the break, we're going to speak to Daniel Garb. Of course, he's our English Premier League and world football correspondent. We'll talk about the game this morning. It was an absolute beauty. Uh, Manchester United, really against the odds in some ways, recording a 2-1 win over Liverpool. I'll also ask Ange, because he's following it pretty closely, uh, the Celtic and Rangers rivalry in Scotland. That's all coming up after the break here on Drive. And now... Let's talk about the English Premier League. What a game this morning. I must admit, I was surprised by the result. I just thought Liverpool would at least get a draw against Manchester United. United have been very poor on the back end of that 4-0 hammering by Brentford only a week or so ago. But it was a turn-up for the books, a 2-1 win to Manchester United. And it's quite unfathomable to think that Liverpool have not recorded a win in the first three games of the English Premier League season. To join us, a man that knows about the EPL, knows about the world game, is Daniel Garb. Garby, a very good evening to you. Hello, Pete. How are you going? Is it hard to comprehend, now you're a Liverpool supporter, that uh, they have not won a game in the opening three games of this season? 
Yeah, it's been quite surprising how lethargic Liverpool have been, and that came to the fore at Old Trafford this morning. United were a hell of a lot better than they've been in their first two games. Let's not forget that. I mean, they lost 4-0 to Brentford. Um, They were down 4-0 inside 40 minutes or something like that and lost at home to Brighton 2-1. They were terrible in both games. Uh, Eric Ten Hag changed things up. He dropped his captain, Harry Maguire, um, he kept Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench. And there was a new spirit in the way that they played. Credit them. They were everything Liverpool weren't. They were energetic. They were desperate. And Liverpool were sluggish. And they have been for the first three games of the season. They've got injury concerns. Yes, there are a lot of players out. There are key midfielders out, which is hurting them at the moment. But the spirit is not there right now. And there just seems to be a, a bit of complacency creeping into their game. And and that is a a real concern, I think, for Liverpool fans because it shouldn't be happening this early in the season. And uh, United got ahead of them early and it was almost as if the Liverpool players thought that we can get back into this game and get the job done. But they probably thought that in their first three games this season, they've been behind in all of them and they haven't managed to get a victory. So, yep, big worries there for the Reds. They have managed to go on so many good runs over the last, six or so seasons under Jurgen Klopp that you certainly afford them a lot of time and credit in the bank. But uh, yeah, it is a big worry this early on the way in which they're performing and uh, United maybe not back on track, but that's a big moment for them early on in the Eric Ten Hag era. Yes, and we saw him firsthand here, of course, at Perth some weeks ago when Manchester United and Aston Villa fought it out in pretty ordinary conditions in that draw. Can I ask you where what you know regarding the latest of Cristiano Ronaldo of course played last night the summer transfer window Gabby when does that close uh, that closes usually um, at the end of August early September so there isn't too much time for Cristiano Ronaldo to try and get a move away from Manchester United or for Manchester United to move him on and to be honest United won't say this publicly because I don't want to bring down his transfer fee or upset Ronaldo anymore. But I'm quite certain that Eric Ten Hag doesn't want him there. I think he would like to get rid of the Ronaldo distraction. Why wouldn't you? You're trying to build a new project. He's on massive money. He's not guaranteed a starting place, and he's not happy about that. I think you'd want to move him on and, and set up a system where there isn't that big ego in the dressing room potentially causing some issues as much as when it comes to game time he's focused on scoring goals and behind the team he wants to start and be a main man and but the problem is other big clubs don't want him because he comes with a big wage uh price of course and also because he he wants to play every week and at 37 38 years of age managers don't want to to do that with Ronaldo because he doesn't offer enough defensively anymore he can't chase and tackle and harass and press from the front offers a goal threat, but those other aspects are so important to the way you play as a team. So that's a quandary for them, but uh, yeah, it didn't bother them too much against Liverpool. It's an interesting-looking uh, English Premier League table at the moment, even though it's only three games in it, and they play 38. So there's plenty of water to go under the bridge. But Arsenal sitting on top. As we know, last season, they were very, very poor for the first half Mm. of the EPL campaign. You look at Arsenal, and the side that I'm going to watch very closely, because I reckon after what they did on the weekend, the Magpies could be a team to watch. A 3-3 draw against Manchester City. And at one stage, they were in front by three goals to one. Your thoughts on the Gunners and your thoughts on Newcastle? Arsenal started really well, and uh, that is something to be 
buoyed about if you're an Arsenal fan because you know, they started last season really poorly and they've got Europa League football to come and that is going to be a potential hurdle for them. Managing two games in a week when they haven't been used to that for a couple of years and uh, and on the young players, that's going to be a test, but they have a, a vibrant squad. The signing of Gabriel Jesus has been such an important one for them. It's given them a hard-working, talented, skillful player in attack for the others to operate around. And the likes of Martinelli are growing more and more. The same with Martin Udegaard is playing really well at the moment. Saliba at the back is uh, is stepping up. So uh, the Gunners are looking sharp. There are tests to come, and their fans know that. But uh, yeah, to get the momentum going early is really important. But we knew that Newcastle would be a threat. I mean, they spent more money than any team in the world last January after they were taken over by the Saudi Arabia um, group, of course. And, uh, and so that's given them financial power and they've got a good squad. And at home, that place in James's Park, I've been there, it absolutely rocks and it makes them a difficult team to play against. So, yeah, big moment for them getting a draw against Manchester City and, and they're a side that you expect to push for a European spot, not the Champions League, but but the Europa League potentially this season. So Liverpool sit in 16th position. Everton, of course, uh, their Merseyside neighbours in 17th. They've only picked up the one draw in three. And they've got Manchester United in 14th position, their first win this morning of the season. And then just a couple of cogs above them is Chelsea, who have beaten at Ellen Road by Leeds by three goals to nil. How do we read Chelsea this season? Yeah, they're a funny one, Chelsea. It's hard to know exactly where they're at. I mean, they've left a lot of their transfer work really late. I mean, bringing in Raheem Sterling was excellent. He hasn't really shone yet for them, although I think he he will start delivering when the squad gets a little bit more settled. But they don't really seem to be there just yet. They're looking at a number of players coming in still. They don't have a true striker. That is potentially an issue for them. They're trying to solve that right now with with signings, but I think we'll only see the best of Chelsea when things settle down and they've got a first 11 locked in. But you know, Leeds aren't an easy team to play against either, especially early on in the season. You know, when teams have got energy about them and they're vibrant, it's tough to play some of the sides who you know, are playing in, in stadiums that are, that are pumping. And if you just off your game a little bit, you get caught out. Chelsea makes a big mistake through the keeper and Mendy early on. They go down 1-0 and then Ellen Road is up and about and and it's tough to get back into the game. So, yeah, they've got some problems. And at the back, they're not quite set yet either. A lot of players coming in, as I said, and maybe they haven't got their structure down pat. But uh, once they settle, you still expect them to be a top four side. Now, Garby, I know you're a Liverpool supporter. You'll pick up three points this week. If you don't pick up three points at Anfield this week <laughs> against Bournemouth, then there'll be some serious questions answered of uh, Jurgen Klopp and what's happening there. But you think they beat uh, Bournemouth this week? You'd think so, but you know what? Liverpool in 2021, the year after they won the league, in the second half of the season, they went through this barren run that people might remember where they lost a number of games in a row and they just couldn't seem to snap out of their funk until really late in the season and then they snared a top four spot. They just seemed mentally shot for a good couple of months. There are similar traits at the moment and, and that is the worry. Are they mentally just not there? Are they drained from last season? Is there a reason why there's this lack of spirit in the team or is it just injuries and they need a couple of players back and they need a full week to prepare for a home game and that a big performance at home gets them going? It's hard to know at this stage. Um, But there are some traits of a bad run in the past. And, 
you know, that's not going to make life easy against Bournemouth. But of course they should win. And, and maybe they just need to get three points at home. Maybe it's just a slow start and they're up and going again. Maybe the criticism they'll face from that poor performance against United will snap them into action before they return to Anfield on the weekend and they'll be up and going. OK, and let's go north to Scotland because everybody's got interest in the Scottish uh, Premier League at the moment. Rangers dropped their uh, first points of the season, that 2-2 draw with Hibernia, and They were down to nine men late in the second half. And, of course, Celtic just got the uh, job done at home against Hearts by one goal to nil. Your thoughts on the race in two between Rangers and Celtic and, of course, the, the injection of Australian uh, content at Celtic with Harry Kill being an assistant coach and, of course, Aaron Moy, uh, who often comes off the bench uh, because he's a bit underdone for Celtic. How do you see uh, Celtic buttering up after winning, of course, the Scottish Premiership last season? Yeah, and they played hard to have got Nathaniel Atkinson and Kai Rolls in their team, a couple of Socceroos. That's so many Aussies in Scotland at the moment. And, uh, yeah, Celtic are looking strong. They're looking good. They, they're picking up from where they left last season. I think the most intriguing aspect is, obviously, we want them to go back-to-back under Ange, unless you're a Rangers fan, of course. But from a neutral point of view or Aussie point of view, you'd love to see that. It would be great for Ange. And we only improve his chances of going to a Premier League team in the future. But the Champions League will be the big test for them. I mean, that Celtic and Rangers, they relish that because... Yeah, look, they want to win the league badly against their rivals, but they know that they need to take that next step in Europe. It means so much to them to be in those big competitions. And if Ange can go well in the Champions League, that will do wonders for his career as well. So that's the big watch on Celtic, but they've started the season nicely. And you'd imagine they'd be too strong for Rangers come the end of it, but there's a long way to go. Yeah, and finally, as I'll let you go, of course, a big match for Rangers Thursday morning when they play in that qualification, the second leg for them to get into the Champions League against PSV. How do you see that going, Garby? Do you think Rangers will join Celtic in the group stage? It'd be wonderful if they could. It'd be huge for uh, for Scottish football to have both teams in there, but uh, but it's hard to know if they'll be able to uh, to have the quality. They're, they're a solid side under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to do it. But it'd be massive for Scottish football if so. Good on you, Garby. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll keep in touch here on SENWA Drive program with Peter Vlahos. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Daniel Garb joining us, of course, on the program. He's our English uh, Premier League expert, and uh, we'll try and do that every Tuesday here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. That's the program for tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back again at 5 o'clock tomorrow right here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee, for your support tonight. Have a good night, everyone.